We're in business to save the planet, and we use making clothes to do that. The cure for depression is action. Every one of us has to step up and do what you can according to what your resources are. That was the voice of Patagonia's Yvonne Chouinard, and this is Type 2, a podcast from Looking Sideways, in association with Patagonia that explores the intersection between the outdoors, action sports, and activism. In each show, as you'll probably know if you've been following along, I've been meeting people who are using their passion and involvement with the cultures we all love to create change. We've been discussing the issues they're involved in, the change they're seeking to create, the difficulties involved and the rewards that follow. Now this week's guest, runner and activist Martin MJ Johnson, I would say is the very personification of somebody using their passion and involvement with the cultures we all love to create change, as my little tagline has it. Martin is a trail runner and a father who in Run to the Source, his new collaboration with Patagonia, has made a truly thought-provoking film. It follows Martin's attempt to set a new fastest known time, or FKT as it's known, along the Thames path, which he did, completing the 184-mile distance in 38 hours and 35 minutes. So far, so, well, kind of straightforward. But as anyone who's seen the film will know, and if you haven't, I really do implore you to seek it out on YouTube. It soon becomes clear that Martin and his collaborators, people such as director Matt Kay and producer Phil Young, as well as the team at Patagonia, have a much more ambitious story to tell here. This is nothing less than the story of the river itself, which is used as a way of exploring the untold black and brown history of Britain. Now, by using this journey to delve into such a nuanced story, the film becomes something else entirely, taking Martin's feet into altogether more convention-challenging physical and metaphorical territory. It also caused me, anyway, to question my own relationship with the activities I can take somewhat for granted. Um, And I think that's a common reaction from what I can tell from people who've also seen the film. Yet, as you might be uh, gathering, this is a powerful but also a very subtle piece of work and as such is a fitting reflection of its protagonist Martin who is um, legendarily warm, something that comes across in our conversation. And One of the things that I love about Run to the Source and Martin's story in particular, and this is something we did explore during our conversation, is how it offers up such a nuanced, personal and localised take on activism. Quite often we're encouraged to think about activism as a story of absolutes, of fighting the biggest battles of all. That can be daunting, particularly with what's going on at the minute, but Martin's generous interpretation offers up activism as a means of exploration, both on a literal and metaphysical level, and as I discussed during the chat, on a local level, something I think we could all probably use more than ever right now. Anyway, it's a good one, this. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Here's me and Martin. Give us a, a mic test. Testing, testing. There we go. That's good. Um, yeah, it's going to be a mission. I was actually, yeah, I mean, like a 10-year mission, I think, really. And my in-laws were a bit like, you know, you, are you up for this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was a bit like, well, yeah, because like my, it's my wife who's really got the vision for it, you know. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to go along with it, really. It's yeah. exciting. Do, do think, what I'm yeah, told. You know, like I did when we did our house up. Oh, you get on the tools as well, do you? Yeah, a little bit, but I'm useless. Like, you know, it's not something I ever really did growing up. Um, So I'm pretty cack-handed. But I do do like it. You know, it's just proper comfort zone stuff, isn't it? You know, what you're used to, what you're not... You know, I remember when we got our house and um, we moved in the day we moved in. It had this, like, stone pantry in the corner of the kitchen which like really limited the size of the kitchen like literally day moved in my wife was like well let's just knock it down i was like what now <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right like you know she's like well, yeah what you think you do you just, you just knock shit down you know you just get shit nice. done and then like, you have to do it don't you yeah, and you commit, gotta do it I'm like, okay. yeah how are you anyway yeah very well thanks good good yeah um Last time we chatted, you were on your way to Northern Ireland, right? To do a, to do an ultra, is that right? That's right, yep. So I was uh, having sworn never to get into these backyard ultras. I've now since done two. Right. Which is this new format that's emerged over the last couple of years of last one standing. So 4.1 something miles on the hour, every hour. 
um, until there's one person standing um, so they can go on for, for quite some time. So you just literally do it until... It's the same loop on the hour, every hour. If you fail to get back to the, 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 the finish line within that hour, you're timed out. If right. you don't make it to the start line for the next hour, you're, you're, you're timed out. Um, and you just keep going until until there's there's one person left. I think the... It's like proper gladiatorial approach. Yeah, it's a strange... Definitely becomes more mental, uh, psychological. So it's a different type of challenge. But I say it's become very popular made famous by Laz out in the US who of, of Barkley Marathon's fame. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think he's created the original one, Big's Backyard, and he essentially created a bit of a, a, a franchise with, with everyone signing up to it across across the globe now. So, yeah, I was heading out to, to Northern Ireland, um, Castle Ward, uh, for, for, for that. Didn't go too well, though. How'd you get? How'd you get on? I think I, I, I managed seventy miles. Um, so however many hours that is, I can never remember. But um, weather wasn't great. It was quite a. It's around the storm time, it wasn't was, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So perfect conditions. Though. Horrific weather. <laughs> a, a really sort of packed field. Probably too many runners than I would like. So they these were quite niche um, events previously. So you maybe get. 70 70 odd runners right but as they've grown in popularity i think we had 172 runners out there and some of the trails are very narrow so there's a lot of bottlenecking and right kind of took away from the experience of running through this wonderful sort of national trust um wonderful national trust ground so yeah i wasn't really feeling it was it was cool like the camaraderie so it was the um four nations um it was a four nations event so they've, they've created this event with Teams from England, Scotland, Wales and, and Ireland competing over four events across the year just to create a, a, a bit of competition and, and fun. Right. So it was great hanging out with um, the, the runners in the, the, the marquee and uh, getting to know people and that. But yeah, it didn't, didn't really go according to plan. And the problem for me is as well these days are uh, not getting any sleep with the boys. So when I go out to, <laughs> to these yeah. events, so that, um, the, the sleep deprivation kicks in and uh, I think... At 4 a.m. in the morning, it was wet and miserable, and I just wanted to to sleep. So, uh, right, yeah, uh, save it for another day. But. It's probably a bit of a silly question, this, but psychologically, is it? Um, how different is it from from when you just run on your own? Because one of the things that struck me, and I don't particularly want to get straight into the film right now, yeah. but but just an observation from when I watched the film was um, your sort of mental serenity it seemed like do on on that Thames run you know like obviously you could see the physical impact it was having on you but mentally you just seemed so robust like and I, I guess we can dig into that a bit in a bit more detail like I say but is that different when you do something like this other format that you've did that you've described do you find it psychologically a different a different challenge yeah I think um with the last one standing format you're that competitiveness kicks in and just that whole desire to be the last one standing and you yeah. see whilst there's others seeing others get back to that start line and, and keep going you're kind of motivated to do the same and then it becomes a bit of a um yeah that 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 battle with the stubbornness almost of you, you've come to, to be the last one standing and yeah and and that's what you go after um so yeah, I think, I think you say we come on to it, but I think because of what the Thames Path run meant, I think it's just a slightly different headspace I was in there and um, the motivation behind it and the, the support I had along the way. So sort of FKTs, the essence of FKTs, I think some people will, will look at what we did and think, oh, it's not really in the, the true spirit of FKTs. Often you, you hear this sort of, um, it's solo efforts out in, in the wild and you, you, you go and um, uh, take on the elements and the the the, the, the course around you. But um, so I think some people probably roll their eyes at the fact there was so much support and, right. and everything. But that was really important to me because we wanted to include the, the, the community. So I think that I like to be I'm quite positive anyway, uh, mentally strong and a, a start a finisher. So 
um uh smile smile your way through the pain kind of approach so yeah i think generally speaking i'm quite positive but i think with the fkt itself particularly just because of the support and what it meant uh, that made it a lot easier for me i think to, to stay focused mentally yeah yeah it definitely came across you mentioned with the last man standing right that's that you, you were like oh i wasn't gonna do it and i've done two like what why did you what do you mean by that why didn't you want to do that just because you because it's the adding the the external competitive element to it yeah i just think um i think one there's that question of why <laughs> what, what what is there um you know i quite like one of the appealing elements for ultra running i like is that journey i like point to point races through nature and and that that journey and everything it brings the idea of running loops around the same um uh, sort of four mile course for for hours on end it's just kind of not never really appealed um but like with all these things i got bullied into it i've got a good friend who's yeah. big into the format and yeah yeah been out to, to bigs and bullied me into it so uh and then once you're in you it's that whole thing of oh how far could i go and how far could i push my body and, and that mental element so you always want to want to do sort of more um but yeah, I, I think that's the main reason it previously hasn't appealed. It's just that I, I like point to point and being out and yeah, uh, um, um, uh, that that journey. And I just don't feel you necessarily get that with last one standing. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a bit more of a graft in a tr well. It's like that kind of adventure racing with that kind of competitive thing is just generally quite popular these days, isn't it? You know, it's like. I guess I'm thinking about not directly related, but you know, there's all this sort of mud racing stuff going on and yeah, you know, like yeah. where it is a bit of a group sort of, I guess gladiatorial is the word really, you know, it's those formats are becoming more popular, aren't they? That's it. And what I'd say with last one saying it is, it's massively accessible. So what yeah. it does is people who perhaps, you know, aren't able to run hundreds of miles or aren't, running that at a certain um speed or, or yeah. time it's a really accessible way to run long distances yeah no i get speed that speed no is is no longer relevant it's about mental strength and yeah you get the um, those that want to just come along and try to run 50 miles and it's a, a great way to do that um, yeah you're surrounded by people you've got that support there you know, the whole sort of barriers around navigation and um equipment etc uh, falls away and and people can come and safely and um sort of take on those challenges themselves and and, and achieve those things so yeah. yeah i totally get that i've done a lot of long distance swim races over the years um and i think the thing that i enjoy most about that is the fact that i mean i'm just like so bog standard you know like probably like most people that do this type of thing like most people that run marathons part of the pleasure of it the joy of it is being in that big field isn't it where you've got all those people like with different goals and yeah you can have the people at the elite end that are quite unattainable for most people yeah. but but the fact that you still try to reach right because whenever i've done like long distance swim races i'm just trying to get time really you know yeah. like everyone you're just thinking like okay i'll just aim for that and if you that accomplished that individual accomplishment in a big group setting is quite unique isn't it absolutely you yeah. know yeah. Which I think is the appeal. Um, so I was reading your sidetrack thing on the way up, just just you know doing the old research, and you talked in there about how that what you described earlier is like you know what got you into it. Like that was almost like your way into running, right? Originally, like kind of finding local routes around where you live and try to find a way of building it into your life. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um I'm still relatively new to running, so I played yeah. a lot of football growing up. That's surprising. Really my sport. Yeah, it sounds like you just sort of picked it up. So quite it's late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was only, I'd say 2018 is when I I say I became a runner. Where yeah, it became a part of me, and it's something I almost had to do daily to, um, you know, to to function, and it was something that I needed. And prior to that, I'd I'd run sort of marathons, road marathons, half marathons, 10ks usually for charity or just uh, uh, with friends so presumably but, growing up and through your life you've been a, an athlete for want of a better word do you know what i mean because this that's what i thought when i read that i thought well he must 
have an engine. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> let's put it, yeah, let's so. put it that way. Like you know, natural stamina. Kind of was that was that always a thing. Definitely, yeah. So I, I, like I say played football growing up. That was that was my sport. But any any sports really. I was, uh, although we as a family didn't have sort of access to these um, the, the outdoors, which I've, I've mentioned previously. That um, you know, grew up in South East London um, in, in a in a bit of a bubble, to be honest. But I was always outdoors, playing on the street in in our cul-de-sac, playing football, riding bikes. Um, we'd we'd go go for walks in our, our sort of local woods and that. So I feel it was always quite an active childhood um, and 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 quite sporty. But yeah, running specifically, um, like I say it's only really the last few years that I've got into that. That's become my main sport. What do you think it was then? What did it? you said you described yourself as a runner so it's almost like an identity thing that yeah. isn't it you know like so what where was that switch like where did you kind of think oh right this is who I am yeah so I think that became I, I've spoken quite a lot about this that I, I started to run into to central London so yeah we're here Commute, in Charlton right? in the southeast of London I've worked in uh, various locations so I work in sort of social housing that takes me all around London and, and, and the southeast so uh, I'd be working out in Footscray which is sort of six miles from here out towards Kent and then also in central London and just af- after having the boys um, I stopped playing football I'd gained a bit of weight I was just feeling a bit sluggish I'd, I'd lost that sort of um, I just wasn't really taking part in any physical activity and starting to not not feel that the aging process was, was was taking place but I just felt unfit and out of shape the commutes were miserable anyone that's done that commute yeah, in London knows are crammed onto a train never a seat like sardines it's grim so I just started running to and from from the office again encouraged by my my good friend who was doing the same at the time how and far is that so it began with sort of a maybe about five five and a half miles each way so five and a half miles in the morning five and a half miles back snail's place pace plodding along with my my rucksack with laptop and, and clothes all stashed in there and just really just that build up of daily mileage that slow mileage it just started to gain this level of fitness and the, the, the feeling that came with that of that fitness and, and, and just being outside and um, enjoying it, that just started to become more and more sort of appealing to me. It becomes addictive. Almost. Yeah. Like if, I, if I was having to get the train any day, I'd, I'd be considerably more grumpy than a, a day where I've, I've run in. Um, so that's where I sort of gained that that sort of base fitness and that, that enjoyment of running. There's, I always say that running ordinarily running isn't something you just go out and start enjoying it's difficult to begin with right? yeah it's hard well that's why that's what i was going to ask you because you make that sound like quite a simple thing you know like but it actually requires quite a lot of organization and motivation just on a practical level you know for a dad or two to sort of find the time for that i'm not trying to you know do you know, you know what i'm saying it's like it's no, absolutely it's, it's, yeah it's, yeah it's actually <laughs> quite a, there's probably people listen to this who've thought about doing that yeah. you know but the or it's a bit like go to the gym before work yeah. you know like it it just it just requires a different general mindset in your Absolutely, life so it, yeah. it, it requires like reorientating your life doesn't it because you, you know you can't have that beer the night before you've got to go to bed early yeah. you've got to get your shit ready for work you've got to have your food you know, you know all yeah. these little Absolutely. details it has that, to become part of that routine and you have to really stick to that so so like it's it is actually quite a significant step, isn't it, to to make a make a little lifestyle change like that? No, agreed, totally. And I'd, I'd probably say, say I make it sound like this <laughs> very fluid transition into yeah. rugby, but yeah, especially with the two young boys, you yeah, know, like to do that, it was like juggling, like you know, parenting and 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 like home life must have taken a bit of um, mental bandwidth as well. Let's say absolutely, and I think there are probably a few sort of failed uh, attempts at starting the run commute so I'd, I'd run commute for a few weeks or months and then I'd change offices or roles or um, something come up with the boys and I'd, I wouldn't do it um, I'd jump on the bus or the train or, or, or whatever but yeah I think it's when I moved into mainly working in central London that it just 
managed to 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 build it into my routine it just made it it, it worked um yes it was tough in the to begin with especially in those winter months when you're waking up and it's dark uh, outside and it's raining and you just think oh i could just hop on the train yeah but, you know over time it just became something i enjoyed and, and needed to do like i say i was saving money i was i was, I was feeling the, the physical and and sort of um the the mental benefits of 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 of, of run commuting uh so it just became something that i preferred to do yeah than getting the train. yeah i mean it is it is a really effective way of incorporating it into your life isn't it i think that's the challenge not to dwell on this point too much but you know when you don't have kids and when you when you have less responsibility it is definitely easier isn't it i also think like just simple things like when i just thinking back to the swim swimming for me like when i was doing a lot of training for those things like you know it's just I had a pool near my office. So it's quite easy. I could go at yep. lunch, you know, like I could do that. But even if you don't have that stuff, like incorporate into your day in that quite fluid way as you, as you did is, is kind of the key, isn't it really? Yeah. And that's been uh, even more apparent over the last couple of years where I've been forced to work from home. And then that, so that protected time, that practical necessity of running is taken away. It yeah. becomes much harder for me to justify disappearing for an hour two hours we've got responsibilities of the boys at home and, yeah um so yeah uh i i this last couple of years working from home really missed that that protected sort of run commute because that's where i was getting a lot of my mileage and it's become a lot harder so how's that changed you just have to find different times to do it yeah, exactly that so I'll, I'll get out at lunchtime usually now um it's really strange that psychological shift of um you know, because I'm not running to the office, that it's almost like the, the guilt kicks in, and yeah. that kind of just justified it to myself that I'll just um, disappear and leave in Anya to sort out the the breakfast with the boys and getting them ready for school, which she would do uh, if I was running to the office. Yeah, but it suddenly feels like um, um yeah, it, it became harder to justify knowing that I was coming back here my myself. So, um. Yeah, it's been it's been a struggle, and it's it's sort of, the training has dipped off in the last two years as a result. Um, so yeah, it's just highlighted how important that time is, and yeah. what 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 a, a great way it is to incorporate that into your into your day. So obviously, that was the way in, mm -hmm. and then from there you've used it as a literal and metaphorical vehicle to explore a lot of different personal and societal ideas really yep. um i guess it'd be good to start with the outdoor component of it because mm -hmm. you mentioned uh, when you said you know when you were growing up in southeast london you said like well i think you said something like what well, we didn't really go outdoors per se you, you know like I, I grew up in a city i recognize what you're saying you know, yeah. you're outdoors a lot but you're in the street playing yeah. football you ride yeah. your bike around the block you're fucking around basically like you don't you have to you have to discover the the concept of the outdoors yeah. as a, as a as a thing, don't you? Yeah. You know, as in like whatever that means to you, hiking, trail running, climbing, whatever it is. Like that's something that everybody has to discover for themselves. And obviously, it's a big debate, which again we can get to as probably we talk about the film around the accessibility of that concept to different people. And so, what was what was how did you link it the running and this kind of this thing that we're talking about yeah so i was uh, like i said i grew up in 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 southeast london um so my mum is from the northeast so she's from a, a, a small uh village called shildon which is in county durham yeah so nice part of the world yeah lov lov lovely part friendly folk up there yeah um so i every sort of summer holiday school summer holidays would be on the national express up to to shorden and i'd spend um three or four weeks of my summer holidays up there with my uh, mum's family out in the quarries on the fields and so i had some exposure to what you know i call the outdoors yeah. now um but generally speaking outdoors to me was out out on the street um and I think growing up in South East London, there was none of these sort of 
summer walking trips to the lakes or surfing in Cornwall, um, climbing um, wherever. So I didn't have that exposure to to um, the outdoors. And I always, you know, some people find it hard to believe, but I was just having this very same conversation in Fort Williams at the, the Mountain Festival a couple of weeks back. And some people find it hard to believe that there are a lot of, people in London and cities like London have never left their borough or postcode, let alone the city or, 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 or the country. So I just say, when I say my sort of connection to the outdoors didn't really develop until adulthood when I was able to go and discover these places and, and sort of um, activities. But through running and run commuting and then my introduction to, to, to trail running, I feel that really reconnected me with with the outdoors and um and um reignited my interest in the outdoors it's really um easy when you're sort of in that nine to five rat race in the city to sort of become um disengaged and uninterested with with the sort of natural world because you're you're not you're not experiencing it you're not investing it you're not engaged with it so i sort of i see you know that running took me back and and, and reconnected me with the outdoors yeah and what what i like about the way you've described it as well and this goes to the point about like you know kids in london never leaving their area or like mm-hmm. is what i like about it is the immediacy of it that mm-hmm. you've which is a theme really of of I mean, of, of, of the film for sure, mm-hmm. you know, and also like the way you talk about it and the way you experienced it, the fact that you can actually make it quite straightforward for yourself, you know, um, because there, it is a green place, this, mm-hmm. essentially. I mean, even we're in the middle of London, yeah. but, you know, you're two, two minutes from Greenwich, aren't you? Which is a huge green space, Blackheath. Like, you know, like you can, you can find these things. and you, This is why I... I have a bit of a hobby horse about like the inclusivity and diversity conversation generally, because I think, I think you can't deny that you need to help me people make those connections. You need to, this is my view anyway. Um, it's quite lazy and privileged to sort of say like, to just assume like the Cornwall, the Peak District, the Lake District, like these kind of higher concept ideas of the outdoors, which probably sounds ludicrous to people listening to this who grew up in that, to even use a phrase like that, but who grew up, I mean, because I grew up in the north of England where I was like, you know, my parents were into it. So we would go to the lakes, we would go to the Peak District. That was a thing for me. But if you don't know what that is, you've got to make a connection. You've got to help people make those connections themselves. And that's, I think that's why I, it's worth remembering, isn't it? That, that there, it doesn't have to be that thing. It can be like a much more immediate thing, like running along the Thames yeah. or finding a trail near your house. Yeah. And that, I don't think you can spell that out enough personally. Yeah, no, I totally agree because I, I often find there's a bit of a contradiction there because, you know, obviously the film and what we're trying to do is encourage people to discover the outdoors, um, particularly here in the UK. What is it? 97% of, of people from black and um, Asian and ethnic minorities live in urban areas. And so we're trying to encourage people to go and discover the outdoors. And we sort of um define the outdoors as being outside of the city in the in, in the countryside but then at the same time as part of this whole process um you know we also encourage people to start local like you've mentioned london in particular is one of the greenest um, cities in terms of green spaces um there is so it doesn't have to be the peak issue it doesn't have to be um the, 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 the lakes you can go and discover nature and 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 be outdoors in in the city as well so yeah there, there, there is a bit of a contradiction there but yeah the two are linked i think i think so yeah. yeah i think that's why stuff like you know gets the piss taken out of it quite a lot but but like you know cold water swimming like open water swimming gets talked about i mean fuck i've been guilty of that like you know referring to it as like to taking the piss out of it as a super middle class like thing <laughs> but you know it is it, at the end of the day it is people like going outside and having a, an experience with nature which is important to them and very accessible yeah. and that's got to be a good thing hasn't it that's really it. who cares if you need a dry robe to do it right yeah you can uh... <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a trigger i should put a trigger warning <laughs> at the uh the start of this episode <laughs> <laughs> 
no I, I yeah well i mean let's talk about the film because i chatted to our mutual friend phil in preparation for this and he mentioned that the idea from the film came from a conversation that you guys have had which again i've seen you talk about before but i still think it's really really worth if people haven't heard you kind of talk about the genesis of the film before i think it's really worth exploring and i quite liked uh, he said something like you said that you wanted to kind of inspire somebody from the unlikeliest background to sound familiar to like by the by the act of doing it which was one layer and then there's the layer of just for you like the personal challenges like well i run this a lot what would it be like to actually run to the end second layer third layer obviously the significance of the river in the in the history of this city and in the history of black british people as well um so there's a few you know so as i mentioned earlier you've used the platform of running to explore some pretty nuanced ideas really and the film is is a, is a definite example of that so did did those themes that i've just outlined were they there from the beginning or did they did they develop as you went through the project absolutely developed over time and exactly as you've sort of described there so <clears throat> feel young to those that don't know he's an old time friend of yours i think he's my most featured guest yeah i've I've had a few few episodes but yeah that's it though phil people probably sick of me bigging up phil young but he uh, he is an absolute legend super proud of phil yeah yeah. super big just huge admirer of what what he does really because i think he's he's doing important work isn't he i always say phil's doing the the real work right he's doing the real work and so it was um I met Phil through uh, Black Trail Runners, which was a, um, a BTR, a group that was set up in the aftermath of, of, of um, George Floyd's uh, death in America, when all these conversations started to happen here. And, and so um, as a trail runner, uh, there was a few of us in the here in the UK, trail runners, who started sharing our experiences of being the only uh, black or brown runners at, at the start lines and races. So um, that black trail runners was founded and phil was one of the 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 founding members so that's how i met phil um and it was btr was founded during lockdown so a lot of the activity was very much online it was a facebook community it was growing it was gaining a lot of interest but it was a bit it was kind of a bit sort of not stale it was it was virtual yeah so phil and i were discussing you know how what could we do to sort of bring this to life a bit more inspire the community and and create some content around some of the issues topics we were we were we were exploring so i um mentioned to phil that i'd always wanted to run the thames path so uh I, as i've already mentioned i mentioned lots of times i've used the thames path to, to commute to work but it was also where i um ran my first ultra marathon it was a 50 miler from oxford to reading yeah and I, I I spoke to Phil about how I'd always sort of fantasize on the way to work sometimes of uh, just carrying on and not, not stopping in, in London Bridge when I got to the office, just carrying on along the Thames path and see how far I got. Um, and you know what it feels like. He gets a, a plant a seed and that is it. He was Next just taken by this. <laughs> <laughs> so we started uh, sort of... Um, Next phone call you get, it's like, right, to, say what we're doing next. Yeah, so I was like <laughs> talking through um what what that entailed i mentioned that there was a current recognized fkt and that was it phil's eyes sort of just lit up but initially when we were discussing it it was more sort of that uh sort of uh the metaphor of the the, the course of the river from southeast london the yeah. city out to the cotswolds that journey we're encouraging others to make against the tide it was that sort of yeah um, that, that thing so then we started uh, sort of setting about looking into the river in more detail just as trying to sort of look for the story um in the run if you like um read a few books and then we we both attended um a a online uh, webinar from a company called black history tours who ordinarily do a boat trip along the thames looking at the black history of the thames but because it was locked down they, they they sort of did a virtual um uh, a, a virtual sort of webinar through um i can't remember the uh, thames i can't remember the name of the the, the organization but they, they did this uh collaboration this webinar phil and i both attended and then suddenly they started sort of 
unearthing this sort of black history of the Thames that I was completely um, ignorant to. Um, and I came away from that webinar almost a bit embarrassed. Right. Here I was, this mixed race man, grown up in southeast London. Yeah. Uh, thought I knew this river so well. Um, they started like pointing out landmarks that I'd run past hundreds of times and just wasn't aware of the significance of uh, St. Catherine's Docks and Ivory House, places that were used to store these goods that were taken from Africa and the Caribbean. And that's how I just felt a bit embarrassing. So it started to build this narrative around, okay, yes, there's that um, that metaphor of the, the the route the river takes but actually the river itself has witnessed and has been sort of um part of this darker history that we're just not taught um, yeah so the, the sort of the the narrative you like developed from there and it just grew and grew and grew have you read um david ollis soga's book of um black and british i'm i've i've it's on the shelf there so that's next up on my on yeah. my list to read yeah because yeah, i mean that's one of the key themes i think in this country of the last two years isn't it there's also empire land have you have you read that yes, one so i've not again not read it but i yeah. yeah you know like how how we're not taught that that version of history yeah and i mean that's the sort i, I hate the phrase culture war i really really do i think it's a, such an unhelpful term yeah. like kind of I use it very advisedly because it's just now such an inflammatory term, isn't it? But that is the kind, one of the fronts of that conversation, let's say, isn't it? You know, like where, how do you reclaim that history? I mean, for me, it's just a question of not even like, I don't even think it needs to be either or. It's just yeah. like, there should be both. That's it, yeah. It should it should just be just be out there. Yeah, exactly. Discuss, right? I don't yeah. think it should be that controversial to say like, actually, here's a side of British history in the British Empire that you might want to know about yeah you know it doesn't mean you have to throw out the rest of it yeah um because obviously the thing that we're kind of learning from this conversation is there are many different versions of britishness at the end of the day and like they're all equally valid yeah. you know and try and you try to stop people knocking down a statue of edward colston is is an attempt to hang on to one particular version of britishness isn't it but really there should be room for all of them so I find it really interesting to to hear because I, I kind of suspected that was one of the motivations from seeing the film, obviously, because is it Matt Kay, the director? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much of an input, input did he have? Because there's quite a lot of fairly impressionistic parts of the film. You know, there's like the, the poetry readings and um, and also some fairly you know, flag in the ground moments, let's say, where it is like, actually, we're going to you know, we're going to kind of like make you think about this. Yeah. 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 So did that, did that, I'm assuming that was a collaborative process between, uh, between absolutely. all of you. Yeah. So, uh, Matt Kay, who's a, a, um, a fantastic black British director based in London. So that was part of when Phil and I discussed the initial idea and, um, Phil had been doing work with, with, with Patagonia, um, and brought them board. One of the sort of, one of our sort of things we insisted on was that we wanted this to be a uh, story to be told, to be shot through uh, the black British sort of eye, if you like. Experience. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, we were, we were keen on, on um, uh, getting a black British uh, director on board. And that's where, uh, um, when Matt come on board and, he just took it to another level so the introduction of the archive footage which i feel is just so but so powerful the spoken word yeah i think sometimes you can not i don't think militant's the right word but you know these conversations have been happening for a couple of years and um well, it can be a they, stridency they, they are, to it can't there that's it yeah you know where it, it's where it becomes this is why i hate that phrase because it becomes it's just like you know binary you're either on this side or you're on that yeah. side. You know, I, I totally take your point. I think, and I think you guys plotted that course really sensitively, and and it's still thought provoking. But you you weren't beating people around the head with it. That's know? it. Yeah, I think that that use of the spoken word poetry and the archive footage almost it makes it more palatable or, or factual. But it just kind of 
it's not somebody it's not somebody you know um preaching or <laughs> sort of uh so was that a concern was that something that you wanted to yeah i i, I wanted it to be I, I wanted i was keen for it to what's the word be i, I was conscious of the fact that i was going through a, a, a process of discovery for myself yeah. i was learning throughout this process uh, i think i in the past my attitude had been a bit like you know i like to look forward not look to the past and kind of um I just, yeah, I didn't feel that I was best placed to sort of perhaps tell some of these stories. So I'm a mixed race man. My proximity to whiteness, if you like, being raised by a white mother in, in, in South East London in a, in a predominantly white area was is obviously very different to that of a, um, you know, a darker skinned uh, black woman, if you like, in, in, in London. So I was quite conscious all along of the you know that whole aspect of colorism and you know I didn't want to be seen to be trying to uh, represent all right I understand um, well that's why so, it's your story though isn't it yeah exactly so but what uh, so I feel what Matt brought with the archive footage with the spoken word he allowed sort of my story of the run to to, to 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 sort of sit alongside that narrative that um that history if you like that i felt if i was telling it it wouldn't be authentic i understand um, yeah, yeah 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 well that's why it's powerful mm. because you know i used the kind of very obvious made the very obvious point earlier you know it's a metaphor in in a number of ways isn't mm. it yeah. like as a, as a physical and emotional journey for you did that increase the more you got into the the significance emotionally did did that become more of a theme for you as as you as you delved further into the project it definitely uh, you know uh, you know it's not an exaggeration to say it's been life changing for me and just this the learning that's taken place um you know i think i've mentioned before the fact that Herbie and Ned were part of this journey with me and it's just really sort of highlighted to me as a, a father that importance of understanding that 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 past that history and and ensuring that um uh, or encouraging people to to, to take interest in that because I, I feel it's it's helped me to answer some of the questions so going back to black trail runners and being the only um black or brown runner on on the start line you know i i often ask the question well why aren't there to myself why aren't there other people like me running these races here i am enjoying the uh mental physical social benefits that these these events um, um bring and i just couldn't understand that uh, you know i acknowledge the fact i mentioned my the fact i'm mixed it and I perhaps have learnt those skills or, or, or learnt to, 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 to sort of fit in and be more comfortable in those those environments. But the process of the film and looking back at the events at the past that we kind of knew, but I almost not dismissed, it really helped me to start answering those questions of where we are today and why there aren't, why there, why there is this disconnect um, with the outdoors, why... Um, people of color perhaps feel unsafe and lack that sense of belonging in the outdoors it's because of the history um uh, the histories that um have have developed this these this hierarchy this this privilege um so it really helped me to start answering the questions of of today just that, that process of, of of going through um, do you because you mentioned earlier before we started talking that you'd been expecting a backlash because and I will say, it's a, again, it's a common theme on the podcast, but that situation you just described, which again, to me, is just a perfectly uncontroversial thing. Yeah. Like I obviously, I mean, I agree with you. Like I do just think that is a, that is just clearly the reality, but that is a sentiment that definitely aggravates yep. a, a lot of people. Um, and again, you know, it's become a, another front in this conversation and the argument is always like there's no problem with accessibility like people just everyone's got the same opportunity everyone's the, the same mountains are outside 
you know, this whole you can't be what you can't see things load of bullshit. Yeah. And it's just because culturally, you know, that set of people aren't into that activity. That's essentially the counter to that, isn't it? So yeah. given that you've reached your own understanding from the opposite situation, how do you feel about that argument when you hear it made now? Yeah, so I, I should stress I got that all the time with um, BTR from people I consider friends <laughs> who would turn around and say, well, you know, no one's telling you not to come. Go, yeah, yeah, you're doing it. So what's stopping everyone else doing it? Um, and, you know, part of me, I, I I try to look at these things sort of, I try to base a lot of my, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a business analyst by trade. So I like to, I like sort of factual based. Uh, yeah. Sort of, so, so I try to um, look at uh, data or the, the, understand the sort of root cause of these types of issues and sometimes I not wouldn't sympathize with that view but I would ask myself that very question why aren't other people doing it I'm doing it um but yeah now having let's say looked at the past I think there is it's unavoidable I I, I don't see how you cannot see that clear link to to the past and um uh, with where we're at today and 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 participation numbers in outdoor activities um uh and that that disconnect with black and brown uh, people with, with, with the outdoors um so yeah i it, i find it frustrating um because it, it just seems so obvious to me uh, like you say uh, similar to you i don't think that's a controversial statement i i, I just struggle to see how anyone can arrive at a different sort of um uh, a viewpoint but as we were discussing before i was bracing myself because i'd had this this um you know experience a bit of backlash with the the, the, the work we were doing with btr i was anticipating a lot of abuse quite frankly yeah. when, the, when the, the film landed i was bracing myself for that but it's been overwhelmingly positive and i think that's testimony to the fact that uh, matt uh, the, the patagonia team feel really sort of got the narrative uh, the balance right I, yeah i feel and um, um so yeah i'm taking that as a sort of a real sort of positive yeah you, you kind of alluded to it earlier but family is obviously another very important theme of this film yeah you know you've made sure that your your, your partner and your, your two kids are kind of like have a role in it and the significance of them in your life and also the significance of them actually experiencing the physical thing with you yeah. was clearly key so was that I'm, I'm guessing that was from the start something that you wanted to depict in the film yeah uh, again so um family for me you know, <laughs> the center of my universe if you like that's, yeah. that's, that's family are very very close i mean i spoke in the film about as a father i i didn't have a sort of male role model growing up um the fact that ultra running is a very selfish pursuit sometimes because the sheer number of hours you spend out or um, time away. So I try to include the, fa the family in 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 a in a lot of what I do as much as uh, as I do as possible. Um, so yeah, that that's that's just naturally how our lives uh, operate. But I think Matt um, again was was sort of instrumental in that i think he he's experienced documentary um uh, sort of maker and i think he saw that immediately that that was when he came into the home that, that that's was a setup and i think he really sort of honed in on that um that a lot and you know i say Ned, ned's ned's clearly the star of the film yeah. <laughs> i definitely played second fiddle to yeah, Ned yeah. In, in, in that front so yeah i think i, I think yeah you know keep talking about this balance of these different narratives that run throughout the film and i think um again that's credit to, to matt because he, he sort of got that i think he identified that and and sort of really that played out really quite beautifully in the film I think. yeah i yeah. think so too yeah i find it really moving to be honest mm -hmm. especially when you finished so i'm gonna give you the most obvious question in the world but how did, how did that feel <laughs> because obviously physically what was it like you were going for under 80 hours am i right is that right so we're going for uh under 40 hours sorry so, 40 yeah. hours so yeah I, the, the, I knew it was the, some multiple of 40 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean the, the the 
previous FKT was 40 hours and right. 47 minutes. So a nice round cut off to like yeah. aim for. Yeah. But it's really, I'm saying it's quite mixed emotions. Um, Phil keeps telling me off for not sort of owning the, 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 the accomplishment, if you like. But it's really sort of mixed feeling because I was, I was aiming for a much faster time. So there's there's a bit of disappointment. There was obvious relief to have actually made it to the end and, and sort of having the family there and the, the whole crew and the support support team there at the end. It's, it felt special. It was a real, real moment. But yeah, it was um, a bit of disappointment in there. In the time? Uh, in, in the time, what yeah. What time did you want? So I, I was hoping to, to do it in... 32 to 34 hours right what i was looking at that's um, so revealing that yeah that just because you're that's a real insight into your self-competitiveness isn't it because you know because to, to me like you get the fkt and finish it and you beat it but you know there's an anticlimactic feeling for you because you didn't yeah. quite do it as that's that's the competitive mindset right there isn't it yeah and i think there's you know <laughs> I don't want to. I'm I'm new to the sport of ultra running, and you know, I respect. I you know part, run with the Centurion ultra running team. We've got some incredible ultra runners that have achieved sort of so much, and you know I, I don't want to be seen to be sort of trying to hoodwink the, the community if you like and claiming this as a yeah, sort of a, no, an outstanding you're achievement. You're, FKT. You're um, clearly very sympathetic to the ethics of the of the world. Which is a very real thing, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you have to be mindful of that. I think, don't you? That's it. I was always conscious of the fact that the sort of the existing FKT was set in a, a different. It was during a race, a self-supported race, so it was not directly comparable, if you like. So I, I wanted to make a statement time that added pressure. I put myself doing it for the community. I wanted it to, you know, I really wanted to do the community proud as well, BTR proud. Um, so yeah, that I think that was. Um, disappointed but then now when I look back I see the film and um, remember the sort of challenges that we, we came up against it was a run during lockdown so the build up was, was, was compromised in terms of restrictions around where I could train the weather on the day as we've seen in, in, in the film well not the weather on the day but the conditions underfoot on the day you know had some physical issues that, 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 that came through so I look back now and I think being harsh on myself and I can own that sort of achievement um uh, a little more but um yeah it was def definitely mixed mixed feelings for me yeah do you do it again <laughs> joke but I keep saying to me it's really Everyone's it's that like, nagging thing in your I'll mind that you want to just to prove to you yeah. to yourself that you can you can do something and I was saying as well they've now opened the additional 30 miles to to the sea now so you've got the full um source to sea trail now. oh so like um, there you go. <laughs> one day but yeah there's, there's so what that goes from out in Essex presumably. that's it yeah yeah where does that start then so um I can't remember where it actually that's like proper um yeah like I don't know that part of the, that's like proper Dickens territory that isn't it like yeah, right yeah. out in the estuary basically yeah, that's it yeah so yeah. It, it continues for another I think 30 miles from the um the Thames barrier uh out to to the sea now right um but yeah so i i joke one day maybe i'll yeah. go back if my hips hold up <laughs> right <laughs> uh, but there's so many other sort of challenges and adventures out there to do that i think yeah. I to leave the, the thames path alone for a while we teed me up nicely there so yeah what's the next one so i'm just getting back into the swing of things now as i mentioned a, a few sort of injuries that have still been kicking around for well, from the attempt itself um and the whole working from home thing i mentioned that so i'm just finally getting back into a, a block i've got a few um ultras lined up in in the highlands and the black mountains over the, the coming months that i'm looking forward to just to, to get back out there and enjoy racing like a lot of sort of runners really miss that um uh, that aspect of racing uh the absence of organized events through through lockdown um i'm really looking forward to running up for air and the end of at the end of um june which is a, a sort of patagonia um running series where you get to run up and down a hill or a mountain for 
three, six, 12 or 24 hours and all in aid of sort of raising awareness and, and some funds to um, issues around air quality. Yeah, which is another obviously sort of close to home topic for you being a London runner, right? Yep. I mean, that's, that's shocking, really. I mean, someone officially was listed of cause of death recently, right? Last couple of years Absolutely, ago, that yeah, young so girl, was it? Yep, so that's a neighbouring mean, borough. Christ almighty, in yeah. 2022, whatever it is, like when that, whenever that was, I mean, that is just... It's outrageous, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. And I think, um, you know, always... What's her name? Um, uh, Ella Kissy Debra. She was nine, right? She was nine, yeah. Yeah, I remember reading about that. And, uh, yes, yeah, so that was in neighbouring, so we're here in Greenwich now. That was in, in, in Lewisham, where I sort of grew up. And, yeah. And um, uh, born in Lewisham Hospital, went to school, college in, in Lewisham. So it was really... Um, hit home um being a father now of two young boys and you know london we we experienced some some of the worst most toxic air in 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 europe um and i just think it's one of those things that's always a bit of a that, that, that sort of silent killer uh, it's not really a topic that people know too much about um so i think it's fantastic that um we're increasing uh, uh, awareness but it's also something you know we talk about how um ethnic minority groups um people from low incomes are often those that are affected most by these these issues and so it's a uh, something that i feel is of relevance to um uh, our community uh, a local issue and it's something that you can you know you can it's easier to to get people to sort of sit up understand and listen engage with when it's something that's affecting them on on on, on their their doorstep i think sometimes when we talk about these um environmental concerns or issues we're often talking about these mountain towns and villages and it's, it's harder for, for 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 people to really you know if i'm joe blogs from southeast london never visit why do i care about what yeah. the air quality is like it so yeah i i get that i, I just think it's it's um yeah, it's a it, it's something that's relevant and on our on our doorstep. I think I've spoken before about you know commuting into London. I'd I'd run down the lower road, which is here, and it it, it was awful. You could feel that that pollution on your skin and your lungs as you're running, and that's what took me to the Thames path as a more sort of ambient yeah. uh, 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 route in, in into London. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I really, I mean, that's one of the things I really like about the work you do is that. Because one of the questions I always ask people in here is for type two is like, what advice would you give people who would look at, you know, it's quite a direct question for me. Like, what advice would you give people who were thinking of it, like were passionate and looking for a way into like activism per se? But I think what you're doing just shows that like you don't really have to look that far. You know, there are, there are, there are local things and also you can connect it to your interests in a really natural way. You know, you can use something like running or trial running to discuss these things. And that's that's why I was really looking forward to this conversation. And what I think has come across really clearly in this conversation is 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 the way that it's been done in a just a subtle way. You know, like you say, you're not you're not you consciously not trying to ram it down people's throats. It's more about like using your experiences to tell that story in a way that's just going to give people pause for thought really, which is kind of what activism is, right? When it comes down to it. That's it. Yeah. I think it's really easy to become sort of overwhelmed or, um, with, with some of the issues that we're, we're talking about and, you know, not knowing where to start as individuals where we sort of know that we collectively, we have to, to take action, but it's hard to know where to start um and yeah. how you can uh, can affect change as an individual um so i was saying i i often sort of uh, signpost people to uh, patagonia action uh, works which is puts uh, puts individual in touch with um sort of grassroots campaigning groups that are, are, are local to them and it, it's allows you to find sort of things of, that are of interest to you locally um that's a really great way to so, to sort of get engaged um 
so yeah, uh, I, I think that's a, a, a fantastic route. I sort of started working with London Waterkeeper. My uh, interest in the Thames uh, as that developed, and 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 that was my my route in in there. Um, so I think there's just this there is this pressure for us all to sort of be seen to be uh, taking action and, and and getting involved, but it's sometimes difficult um, how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, man. I really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, it only took us six months to organise, didn't <laughs> it? Yeah. <laughs> Probably we were both at Candle and we still did manage to do it. I know, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. So there you go. That was me and Martin MJ Johnson. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Find out more about Martin at his Instagram at In Search of MJ and find Run to the Source over on YouTube, um, which, like I say, I would. I would count as appointment viewing as the Americans say on their podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode and for supporting Type 2 generally. I release new episodes of Type 2 every few weeks through my Looking Sideways channel, which you can subscribe to via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get them. You can also find the entire Type 2 back catalogue and the entire archive of my Looking Sideways podcast over at my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. Clocked up around 200 interviews now with some of the biggest names in action sports and other related endeavours. And um, yeah, people seem to be into it, so maybe you will be too. All right, nice one. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.